Good morning and welcome. It's good to see you, Brad. <laughs> Thanks for really just breaking the ice there, making me feel good up here. I appreciate that. Um, if you, we haven't met, my name is Daniel Yelverton. I'm one of the pastors here. And like I said at the beginning of the service, uh, if you're a first-time guest, we are so honored that you are joining us this morning. Uh, we are in a process of discovering Jesus. This is a series that we're going on. Uh, it's going to be for a while because we're going a chapter a day. We're taking a chapter a day through the New Testament. And our goal is to discover Jesus in the New Testament. And so last week, we learned about what the Great Commission was. We learned about what uh, Jesus said when he said, Go and make disciples, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I've commanded to you, and I'm with you always until the end of the age. And so in that, I wanted us to learn what it actually meant to be a disciple. Uh, see, when Jesus extended the invitation to Peter, he said, come, follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men. And that ex- the, the invitation that Jesus extends to us all to follow means it's a, it's a lifelong commitment. It's a commitment to learn from Jesus. And we looked at three different ways that we learn from Jesus the first is we just learn from his teaching. We learn from the classroom type setting, just like this. This is me standing up and, and giving you information, and you can receive and you can respond to it. But that's only a part of what we learn about Jesus. See, also to be a lifelong learner of Jesus, we have to learn how to imitate Jesus. We learned about how when Jesus said, take on my yoke because it is easy, it's light, he, uh, he was referring to uh, himself being attached to you. And for you to pace yourself with Jesus, to allow Jesus to to teach you what it means to go through your situation, whatever it is, financial situation, relational issues, whatever it is, attach yourself to Jesus and allow him to pace you. And the last thing we learned about being a lifelong learner of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, is that we have to be immersed in his body. We have to be immersed in the culture and the family that Jesus created because Jesus came to do something brand new. Jesus came to break down the walls that would normally inhibit people from seeing God. You see, to see God before, you had to become a convert of Judaism. And no longer is that the case. Now Jesus has broken down all the barriers that prevent people from seeing God and also prevent people from being a part of God's family. And that's the beautiful thing of what Jesus did. And that's the amazing calling that we get when we say yes to follow him. And so this morning, I wanted to kind of continue this journey of of learning what it means to be a disciple and not only know what it is, but now what does it look like to apply that to your life? What does it look like to take what the things that Jesus is teaching you and begin to apply it to your life? And so... I'm gonna go on, we're going to go on a little bit of a journey. There's going to be some funny stories about me, so uh, just try not to uh, just shame me or mock me publicly. That would be fine. Um, but it's just going to be the process of what um, you know, I've learned because I haven't been here always. It's been a process for me to follow Jesus. And what's been amazing is that I couldn't be here unless it was the brothers and sisters in Christ that are here in this room the brothers and sisters in Christ that were with me in Raleigh, North Carolina, when I was just coming back to Jesus. They are, they are the ones that showed me 
they were the ones that went before me and showed me what it meant to follow Jesus. And so I, I want to invite you on this journey. And um, so I'm just going to pray for our time, and then we're going to get started. Uh, Lord, I just thank you so much for this morning, and I, I thank you for everyone here. God, it's a privilege uh, to be called your son. And Lord, it's a privilege to be around my brothers and sisters. And so, Lord, I just pray that, that your Holy Spirit would teach us this morning, would give us wisdom, God, that uh, you would challenge us, Lord, on the way that we, we view our lives, the way we view discipleship, the way we view the calling to follow you and to go and make disciples. And so this morning is yours, Father. Have your way. Be glorified in all that we say and do. In your name, amen. So how many of you all have done a New Year's resolution? Anybody done a New Year's resolution? Yeah, you can participate. It's okay. Wow, no one's done a New Year's resolution. Okay. Man, I'm riding solo today. All right. This doesn't have to be this past year. It could be just in general. Uh, so, all right, there we go. Okay, how many of you have tried to turn over a new leaf? maybe a new diet, a new exercise program, or something along those lines. And you went ahead and believed that you could do it, and so you went ahead and bought something that maybe, maybe was, uh, was getting the cart before the horse, or maybe you, you decided that I'm going to go ahead and prove that I can do this, and so I'm going to go ahead and buy this mixer. I'm, oh, I'm going to buy this, this exercise equipment. Um, and then turns out it... Uh, that just the buying of something didn't actually make it come to fruition, right? <laughs> so, uh, and when I was in college, I just had this uh, new leaf, I guess. I don't, think, I don't know if it was a New Year's resolution or it was just a new leaf. I was determined that I was going to be able to dunk a basketball in college. Um, so I'm a little stature, like I'm not like my brother Kyle here who's like 6'7". So, uh, so to do something like that would require a lot of work, a lot of effort. And so to set myself up for the best possible way to be able to dunk a basketball, I bought these shoes <laughs> that were the weirdest looking shoes ever. I mean, so what they were, they were, they were, they were, I had to get the right sizes and everything, and they had this, this chunk of tread that was right on the front toe part, like right here. So it looked like a reverse high heel, except it was like right here on, on my toes. And I would walk around, and I would kind of like, I would lean back, and I had, I kind of walked like a dinosaur or just like an awkward bird. And, and I tried to wear this. I, I bought this because I was hoping that it was going to, to help me dunk a basketball. Um, seven years later, I still had those shoes in my closet. I had worn them twice and had not yet been able to dunk a basketball. So I don't know. Can you, can you relate to, any, to that at all? Is there something that you have at your house that's probably gathering a little bit of dust that you knew or you thought was going to be the thing that was going to push you over the edge to accomplish the goal or the thing that you believed was possible? You see, because belief can only take us so far. You know, if we believe that we can change, if we believe that we can lose weight, if we believe that we can do a diet program, that's, that's great and all, and we can get the things necessary that, can, that give us the opportunity to succeed. But if we don't actually do it, if we don't do the work, if I didn't exercise every day to try to be able to dunk a basketball, 
And I didn't, I didn't do it. Even though I believed that I could, even though I put forth all the effort. And so what I want to talk about this morning, about what it means to follow Jesus, is that it's not just about belief. It's not just about belief, because we can believe and profess that Jesus is Lord of our life. But in order to be a follower of Jesus, it requires action. James, the brother of Jesus, would say it this way. He would say this in James 2.17. He says, so you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. Now, I don't like that verse. I don't like it at all. It's harsh. You know, because when I look at that verse, I just, I feel like it just rubs me the wrong way. Like, like maybe James could like just worded it a little bit nicer or something like that so that I wouldn't have to like feel like guilty or bad about that. But the principle remains that if we believe something, it will only take us so far. That faith will, will only take us so far. That there needs to be, there needs to be something that cements the belief. There's something, there needs to be fruit. There needs to be something that comes to fruition. We need to, to work it out. And, you know, I, I, when I chose this verse, I already knew that this was going to be a challenging verse to, to work with because I think we, we think a lot about the comparison between faith and works. And a lot of times we'll make it kind of a salvation thing. We'll think that, like, you know, that it's not about, like, we're, not, we're saved by grace. You know, it's by faith. You know, it's not by works that no one could boast. But, but when, we, when we choose Jesus, when we choose to follow Jesus, that it is activated. Our faith becomes activated, becomes alive when it is produced with good deeds. And one of the things that I think bothers me the most about this is that it starts to make me accountable for my faith. You see, I don't know if you grew up like I did, but when I grew up, you know, following God was, was like a list of rules. And you did a list of rules, and uh, you had the rights and the wrongs, and then you tried to make God happy in the process. And, and what that type of teaching did to me is it made me really fixate on, like, just a vertical morality, where I was really just focused on if I'm good with God. Because if I'm good with God, then everything else is okay. And, and the challenge and the, the issue with that is that, that that's not the way that God works. And Jesus was constantly confronting the Pharisees and the religious leaders at the time because they were really focused on being right with God at the expense of other people. And Jesus would say something like this. He would say this in Matthew 5, 23 through 24. He says, if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple... And you suddenly remember that someone has something against you. Leave your sacrifice there at the altar and go and be reconciled to that person. And then come and offer your sacrifice to God. You see the order here. That before they would worship, before they would bring their gift to God, before they would come and bring a peace offering or ask for forgiveness from God, they would need to go be reconciled with their brother. And so sometimes I think we have it backwards. I think we, we ask for forgiveness and we repent to the Heavenly Father, but then we kind of 
you know, put the uh, reconciling, you know, later on down the schedule. I'll get to it later. And Jesus is saying, no, the priority is switched. And then Jesus would even put the relationship that we have with others on the same level as our relationship with God in Matthew 22, 37 through 40. It says, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. What Jesus is saying is that all 600 plus religious laws that the Jewish people had can be boiled down to two commandments. And they are equal in value. Love God and love people. And I think we want to separate that sometimes, don't we? Like we want, to be, we, we want to be good with God. We want to make sure that we're at peace with God, but we find it hard to forgive. We find it easy to hold grudges. We get easily offended. Then Jesus would take it one step further. The, the night before he died, the Last Supper with his disciples, he drew them in close and he said, I'm going to give you a new commandment. John 13, 34 through 35. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Don't let that last sentence just kind of go unattended to. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So that the proof, the evidence of our belief, the evidence of following Jesus is found in the way that we treat other people. It's a simple command. That's it. That's the command that we get from Jesus. But it is so, so demanding. Because it's easy to hide behind maybe a belief in God or maybe a list of rules that we feel that we can follow that may distinguish ourselves from other people. Maybe we might distinguish ourselves because we've, we've made different life choices than other people. And so we can distance ourselves from others. But Jesus would say that this is not the way it's supposed to be. That if you want to prove to the world that you are my disciples, you do it through your love for others. And so this is radical. You got to think about like every way that religion was done back then. And honestly, the way that a lot of religion is done right now, it's all about being right with God. It's all about being right with whatever being you worship. It's not about how you deal with other people. And this is totally flipped upside down. And so the first thing that we need to understand when it, we are called to be followers of Jesus, when we're also called to make disciples, that it's not just about a belief. It's not even about just a profession of faith. That's the start. But what it ends up, what ends up showing to the world that we are truly following Jesus is by our love. And what's interesting is this, it's all, it's, it's horizontal love. And so this is what my second thing that I want to say is that following Jesus is a team sport. Following Jesus is a team sport. Because following Jesus happens in the context of your horizontal relationships. If this is the best way that we can show the world how 
Show the world God. Show the world hope through the horizontal relationships, then it has to be done in the context of relationships. And I think there's a, there's a, there's a roadblock here. Because when you hear Jesus saying, you know, love one another just as I have loved you, and then you hear a lot of the other one another's that I'm going to talk about in just a second, where uh, the Apostle John and Paul and Peter and other disciples begin to expand on this core uh, commandment to love one another. We run into a roadblock because it is larger church, Sunday morning church. We're not able to, to do this as effectively as we think we might. And here's, here's how I know this. There's a uh, James, the brother of Jesus that we just read a scripture earlier. He has a scripture... He has a, in James 5, 16, he says, confess your sins to each other and pray to each other so that you will be healed. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start here with Jeremy and Jeremy's going to come up and he's going to confess his sin to all of us. And then he's going to step down and we're going to keep on going. Right? That doesn't work. You get, that doesn't work here. You can't do that in this context of our gathering, right? That's just awkward. It's, it's going it's to be messy. You know, but, but James is telling us here that we need to confess our sins to each other and pray for each other so we will be healed. This is priority. All right, so, so if, we can't, if we can't do that here, all right, well, what about, what about this scripture? In Galatians 6, 1 and 2, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome with some sin, you who are God should gently and humbly help that person back to the right path. All right, so here's what we're going to do. I want you to go find somebody you don't know, and I want you to confront them about the sin in their life. Go ahead. We're going to mingle real quick. I want you to find somebody that's really struggling with sin, and I want you to go up and say, Hey, you got sin in your life. You know? Because, yeah, isn't that what we're supposed to do? I mean, that's what we're commanded to do, right? And then it says, in the very next verse, it says, we are to share each other's burdens. And in this way, we obey the law of Christ. The law of Christ is what we just talked about. Galatians, or not Galatians, John 13, 34 through 35. To love others the way that I've loved you. That's the law of Christ. So we share one another's burdens. You know? All right, so how are we going to do that? How, how are we going to do that here? What, what are we going to do? Are we going to all just kind of have like a burden pile and we're going to kind of walk up and drop a burden and pick a burden and then like it's like a, you know, one of those book exchanges? I don't, I don't think it's going to work. What about, what about this job? What about this scripture? First uh, Thessalonians 5, 11. It says, so encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. All right, so we're supposed to encourage each other. So... Yeah, just go. I want, I want to encourage you. You're, you're doing great. What's your, what's your name again? Um, yeah, just keep going. That doesn't work. It's not authentic. It's disingenuous. And so what we see here is that there has to be a different way. If we're supposed to love others, and this is the mark of our calling as disciples of Jesus, and if we're supposed to walk this out by 
confessing our sins and praying for each other and confronting each other when we're struggling and bearing one another's burdens and encouraging one another and serving one another and submitting one another and there's so much honoring one another. There's so many other things. How do we do that in this context? You see, you can't follow Jesus. You can't follow Jesus without obeying what he said. And you can't follow Jesus without being in relationship. Because in relationship, you're going to build the trust that these things require. You're going to find an opportunity to be vulnerable. And it just, as much as I love our church community here, we have great church community. I mean, hang around the lobby. It's awesome. But we're just really not able to do this. And so it has to happen in, in the ecclesias. It has to happen in the gatherings. You see, when Jesus said, I will build my church, he said ecclesia, which really just meant gathering. And see, and this is not only vital to following Jesus, it's not only vital that we understand that our calling as disciples is based on a horizontal relationship. It's not only vital to know that we need to get in closer relationship with people so that we can do the one anothering that we're called to do, but we need this. We need this because at our core, I believe that God has created us to be fully known and fully loved. To be fully known and fully loved. But here's the condition. In order to be truly loved, you have to be known. In our culture, especially with all the access that we have to social media, we do a really good job of kind of image management, right? See, image management is when we, we kind of put on display what we want people to see, what we hope people will see, maybe what we hope to be known for, where we hope to be significant. And so when you do image management, and, and I get it, I mean, like, I, it takes me like seven pictures or ten pictures to finally get like a good one of my kids, you know? And so like you want to you post a good picture, and I understand that, but... Often when we, when we try to do image management, there, there tends to be a gap. There tends to be a gap between what you want to portray and what is actually there. Between who you are and who you want people to think you are. So what happens, though? What happens when that gap can get exposed? What happens when the image management becomes so overwhelming? Or you end up uh, getting closer to somebody and they realize that there's a space between who you are and who you betray to be. Well, if my past is any indication, I, I like, I'll, I'll start to pretend. I'll start to make excuses. I'll start to mislead. And you know what happens? I create an imaginary person. I create an imaginary person that I hope people will like. 
But the problem with the imaginary person is that once I start focusing on that imaginary person, I cease to grow as an individual. I may get older, but I don't get any better. Because I'm so concerned about my image. I'm so concerned about what people think. And you know what? Here's a harsh reality about this. Is that if people don't know you, they actually really don't like you. Because they don't really know you. They know the imaginary you. They know the person that you're trying to portray. And it's awful to say this, but that really might be the case for you completely this morning. No one may have access to your life. No one may be, you, you may not be fully known by anyone. And in order to have a meaningful, genuine relationship, the kind of relationship that's going to exemplify this part of what Christ came to do, we have to allow ourselves to be known. See, because being known is a really powerful thing. Whether they're good influences or bad influences, if you make yourself fully known, there is something powerful there. Those are your people. You feel like you belong. And you know what? You know what God's opinion is on you? It says in Romans 5, 8, that God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So while you were the worst, while you were in your mess, while you had made one bad decision after another bad decision after another bad decision, God already said, I love you. And I'm going to send my son to die for you. It says in Ephesians 1, 4 through 5, it says, Even before he made the world, this is God, he loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Guys, isn't this amazing? Yeah. I mean, I, okay, I mean, I don't know you, but I know me. And the fact that before I had the chance to make the mountain of mistakes I've made in my life, God loved me. He chose me. And you know what? It wasn't even out of obligation. I love the very end of that. It gave him great pleasure. And you see, when Jesus came, he came to reveal the Father. And so just as much as this is the Father's heart, this was Jesus' heart towards us. I've always wondered why Jesus was so, so attractive or so magnetic to people who were broken and sinners, to people that he, that he told, you know, go and leave your life of sin. But he still loved them. He would sit down with them, and he would have a meal with them. And so when we say we follow Jesus, we're, we're learning from him, we're imitating him, we're getting immersed in his culture, which is, 
means this, these qualities need to be us. These qualities need to be the church. That the church, we need to focus on the horizontal relationships around us. That we need to press into relationships, press into community, so that we can experience the things that God wants to give us. And we also need a place where we can be known and loved. And so I want to extend an invitation to you. And I'm going to have some guys come and we're going to hand out some sign-ups for some small groups. Now the small groups, and I'll tell you my story in just a little bit, but small groups changed my life because it broke down the great things that I see in church and it brought it into a smaller group of people where I could truly be known and loved. And so if the band will come up as well, I want to tell you a little bit about what's coming up. February 17th, we're going to have a 10-week small group session. And this is just going to be a 10-week kind of trial to take a little bit of time out of your week to maybe open yourself up to this to allow yourself to be known, to allow yourself to experience what God's body is all about. And so we have a couple different groups for you to sign up. There's men's groups, there's women's groups, there's couples groups, there's family groups, and then there's a group called ECC ECC 101, which Pastor Phil is leading to just let you know kind of what what our heart is about. And so if you're not connected in a group, If you're not connected in in a community, I want to just challenge you right now. I want to challenge you to be connected in a place where where people are are supposed to love you because that's what we're called to do, to encourage you, to pray for you, a place for confession, a place where your burdens can be carried. And this this is not a place to be known and not loved because that's not God. You see, God, just like a loving parent, embraces their children but encourages them to do great things, to do better things, to avoid the things that will ultimately hurt them. So this is my story. I left the church. I left, I was raised in a Christian home. I went to a Christian school, and I left the church at 17 because I was afraid of being known because I had two different ways to live. And I would look in the mirror every morning, and I just couldn't stand it. And so I just said, I'm done. I can't do this. I'd rather just avoid this altogether. But the funny thing is that that came with, that carried on. Because that desire to be known and loved is core to my being. And so after eight years of terrible choices, God was merciful to me. And he drew me back to himself. And he brought me to an ecclesia. He brought me to a gathering of 12 people who loved Jesus and loved me. And it did exactly what Jesus said it would do. Jesus said that upon his church, upon his church, the gates of hell will not be able to stand against it. Now, the gates of hell are there to hold the prisoners in. And and I 
was the prisoner. And I'm set free. And it was because, it was because I was able to get access to Jesus through people. I allowed myself to be known. I was encouraged. I was able to confess my sins. They were able to share my burdens. Jesus rescued me, and he used people. He used people to do it. And I'm forever changed for it. So, are you willing to try it out? I can't tell you how worth it it is. Are you willing to step in and press into relationships, into the body of Jesus? Are you willing to be known by a group of broken, flawed people who love Jesus, love you, and want to see Jesus transform your life, your family, your destiny, your legacy? That's what we want to see here. And I think it might just be worth it. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that your mercies are new every morning. Thank you that your grace is sufficient. Thank you that you made a way just like we sang about, that you are the way. And God, I just pray that right now the Holy Spirit would just capture our hearts. Lord, that we would just be overwhelmed overwhelmed by your goodness. And God, may we respond in a way, Lord, that that shows our love. And it's not about talk, it's not about profession, that it's about action. And God, draw us closer as a body so that we can change this community. Because this community needs your hope, Jesus. It needs you, and we are responsible for this community because we are the church here. We are plan A. We are ground zero for your mission here in this area. It is our responsibility, God. May we not forsake that responsibility. Oh, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you that you walk with us in this process. So just help us to take the step closer to you. The step closer to your family. Have your way, Jesus. Thank you.